Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? Welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Uh, today we're travelling to the southeast coast of Australia to Victoria and I've got the beautiful Lisa Island with me. Hello, Elisa. Hello, Melinda. Nice to be here. Yeah. Now, I've been talking to Lisa um, pre-podcast and I'm afraid, everybody, I've got to confess that I've missed the boat. This book is already out. The official launch is not supposed to be uh, just yet, but everybody has copies of this book except me. Lisa, would you like to tell us all about your brand spanking new baby, The Shape of Us? Sure, yeah. Um, the Shape of Us is actually about four women who meet uh, in an online weight loss forum. So um, most of us these days will have had some experience with the online world, whether it's um, a weight loss forum or whether it's uh, a running group or a reading group, uh, book group, something like that. So I wanted to explore the idea that people who've never met each other can become quite intimate um, and quite good friends with one another without ever having met. Uh, so that, that's sort of the basis, that's the setting for the book. Uh, and so it stars uh, four women, as I said, Mez, who is a country GP, country GP in, from Victoria, Jules or Julia, who uh, is, she actually owns uh, a little cupcake store. Well, it's a cupcake store and a and Italian bakery because she has an Italian heritage. Uh, and Kat, who is a very uh, young, oh, not terribly young, but younger than the other women. Uh, the other protagonists are in their 40s, but Kat's a bit younger than that. And she lives on the New South Wales North Coast and she's a, a single mum. But she's in a relationship with uh, her baby's father, but it, it's a very tenuous relationship. And Ellie, who's an English woman who's living in Australia with her partner, Jen um, and Jen's a bit of a political player and Ellie has moved to London to to live with Jen so that's they're the four women so you can see they're actually very very different from each other and the only thing that they have in common at the beginning of the book is that they all want to lose weight so that sort of gives you a bit of a start of the background of the book I'm just I'm sitting here going Wow. Um, you've, you've touched on so many subjects at the moment that, that um, I guess they're very topical. I'm doing this whole thing about um, fit to write and this whole book is about the shape of us and I thought, wow, okay, well, we won't go too much further down that line right now. Um, but the whole online world, it's intriguing. What gave you that idea? Well, actually it came from personal experience when um, – so many years ago, when I've got my I've got three boys, so my eldest child is twenty one and my youngest is fourteen. So, um, in between my middle child and and the now fourteen year old, um, I had several miscarriages, which is you know quite common, I suppose. But it's something that I hadn't really thought much about. I didn't really know anyone else that had had a miscarriage. I and so I was 
online, I was actually at that time in my life, I was really technically challenged. Like I couldn't even really send an email, which which is embarrassing to admit right now, but I was really not uh, in the online world at all. And, um, but I, we, they couldn't find, medically, they couldn't find anything wrong with me. So I set about, I thought I'm going to find the answer to this because I wanted to have another baby. So I got my husband, and this is even more embarrassing, the fact that I'm technically challenged because my husband uh, works in IT. He's a bit of an IT specialist. So I got him to show me, I said, oh, you know, this internet thing, how does it work? And I got him to teach me how to use it. And I started Googling pregnancy loss and um, repeated miscarriage, that sort of thing. And I I never found the answer to my question, but I eventually uh, ended up obviously having the third child. But in the meantime, I stumbled across this message board called, I think it was called Pregnancy Loss and Info Board. And it was mainly American women, but but people from all around the world who had lost babies and were trying trying to fall pregnant again. And obviously that's we were all going through quite an emotional emotional time in our lives um, and I, there was a almost an immediate intimacy between this group of women who really had almost nothing else in common except for the fact that they were trying to have another baby or suffering a loss. So um, I made friends with a woman who I'm pleased to say I'm still very, very good friends with to this day, um, a, a lady called Becky who lives uh, in Minnesota and not in a big town either. She lives right up north in Minnesota um, in a very small town. And so we were qu- quite like chalk and cheats really, Becky and I, but we just clicked uh, and we supported each other through that time. And I'm happy to say that we've both gone on. I've, I've had Alex and she adopted in the end, she adopted a, a little boy called Jake, who, uh, a baby at that time, who's now a beautiful 14-year-old boy, and then went on to have um, another ba- a biological child as well. So, But I think I, I became so close to Becky during that time. And so it, it, that experience showed me that, like, I, and I still haven't met her. We've spoken on the phone and we, uh, we, we, we dream of meeting each other one day, but it hasn't happened so far. And I don't know if it ever will happen, but I feel like she's one of my very good friends. So that was sort of the immediate catalyst for the idea. But then the weight loss thing came in a little bit later on, whereas once I'd had um, that child, <laughs> the 14-year-old, I, like a lot of women, I gained um, quite a bit of baby weight and I was trying to lose that weight and I joined an online weight loss program and I met a group, a beautiful group of women who I'm also still friends with, uh, And but we're all Australian and we have actually gone on to meet one another and form very close friendships. So that whilst the the story, The Shape of Us, is completely fiction, none of those characters are based on us, uh, just that friendship gave me the idea for the book. Uh, and, and, look, I think it's amazing, as you said, this gestation period of 14 years, if your son's 14-year-old now. <laughs> yes. um, it is just amazing. Now, I'm assuming this is a little bit of a departure from your rural romances, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, it's a very big departure for me. This is probably, I think, in in my mind I've had this book for, like I've said, for, you know, a really long time. Um, but I I wasn't quite sure how to pull it off. Like I, I had the idea but I wasn't sure about the structure. And it was such a, 
a pet project of mine that I didn't want to write it until I was really sure I could do a good job of it. Um, And so I think and the rural romance thing I I sort of fell into, my very first story was just the story that came out of me and it wasn't, there wasn't actually even a genre when I wrote that that first story that sat in a drawer for years and years and years. That's uh, my first book, which is Breaking the Drought. And that was actually pitched at uh, Mills and Boone's um, sweet line. I can't remember what that was. It was called sweet here, but I was pitching it to the UK um, and it never got across the line. They were very interested in it, but they would. I was working with an editor over there who would say to me things like, Lisa, this is great, but you've got too many characters and it's a little bit too Australian. Can you, can you sort of, you know, make the character? Can, can we have someone from, you know, England or America? And it's like, oh, yeah, I, uh, maybe not. So I, that story never got across the line and it was actually, um, I just put it in the drawer and then a few years later when I was working on a different story also aimed at Mills and Boone that Rachel Johns's Jilted came out and I read that and I just loved it and I thought, oh, like my story, my break in the drought is, is not dissimilar in terms of setting and in terms of the fact that there were um you know, an ensemble cast. It wasn't just about one couple. It was about their friends and their family and and a whole town full of people. And so I I didn't actually know Rachel very well at that time, but I sent her an email and said to her, because we have mutual friends, and I just sort of said to her, look, uh, what I've written this story. What do you think is, do you think this might have legs? And she said, oh, absolutely. And yeah, so that, and then I ended up pitching it at the Fremantle RWA conference uh, to Kate Cuthbert of Escape. And so it had been sitting in a drawer for quite a few years and then it, it uh, got it, it got its little chance to be in the sunshine. Uh, and so once you've written one rural and, and of course, they're, they're very, very popular, then um, obviously I wanted, readers liked it and wanted more of the same. And so I've written three rules today and I love rules I'm a rural reader um Rachel is possibly my favorite rural author but I do love many many Australian rural authors um so it was you know it's natural to write what you like to read but I'm also a huge women's fiction reader and have been like the rural romances I've come late to but um I've read women's fiction pretty much since I you know, since my early 20s not that it was a probably called women's fiction back then but I've always liked you know I've been a big fan of the of um people like Maeve Binchy and Jennifer Weiner and then more lately um Jojo Moyes and then our own Australian beautiful um writers like Leanne Moriarty so uh, I'm a huge fan of the genre so I'm happy to have written something that fits into that genre now yeah and look one of the things that I'm interested in talking to you about is is Australian fiction and focusing on our own writers uh I notice you've you've mentioned a few names there like Rachel Johns and a few of the others and I notice as I'm scrolling through your Facebook page that um you're very very I guess active in promoting our Australian writers do you think there are many places that we can actually stand up and shout that, hey, we Aussies have got some fantastic writers and it's about time that everyone else um, started to take some notice? It's really difficult. Mm-hmm. I think we're a big 
it's, it's difficult to pitch us overseas. I mean, we're standing up and trying all us Aussie authors where we want to be noticed in the international market. Uh, I think it's just about getting a toe in the water and I think that people like Leanne Moriarty, having, her having that huge success with um with Big Little Lies, um, I think, and, and it going into a TV series, that is fantastic for all Australian um, writers because having that international visibility will, makes us, it, it gives us validity in, in the international market. The American market, I think, is very difficult for us to crack. Um, but I do think readers in Australia are very open to Aussie authors and I know that I have many readers who deliberately seek out Australian authors so it's a matter of getting booksellers on board and we've also got like a, I know in my hometown I, like, I'm in Ocean Grove um, on the Ballerine Peninsula in Victoria so my closest big town is Geelong and there, we have um, there um, one of the suburbs is Warm Ponds and the Dimmick's uh, bookstore there is very, very supportive of local talent, so local Geelong talent, but also Australian talent. So I think it's, you know, it's just a matter of getting the booksellers on board and getting people to spruik us, and, and I do think that is that is happening. Um, and, yeah, and just ho- hopefully following up like people like Leanne Moriarty we just need to keep putting ourselves out there and and hoping that internationally people will start taking notice of us yeah now does the your new book The Shape of Us does it come out in ebook as well or is it only paperback no it's available it's available in ebook um in all the major um ebook retailers but um it's only at this stage only Australian and New Zealand territories so um hopefully one day it might be um available in international territories but not at this stage it's uh just Australia and New Zealand so for those readers they can access it via your Amazon or Kobo or whoever your favorite um ebook distributor is and I've had readers telling me that it's in shops in print at the moment, but um, it, sometimes it can take, you know, up to a week for bookstores to get it, the stock out onto the shelves. So some people are seeing it, but other people are telling me they've been to shops and it's not available yet. So fingers crossed, come on, bookstores, get it out there. Well, by okay, the time... Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. go on. Okay. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm finished. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now, everyone, we're actually doing this via Zencaster and there's a few little noises going in the background. Normally we've got Skype and I can see my guests and, and we know what each other are doing. So it's a little bit interesting that, that I'm sort of talking <laughs> over poor old Lisa here when she's she's going at full tra- full tilt here. And that's perfectly okay because just listening to the excitement in your voice, I guess that's what we um, come to Rider on the Road for, to celebrate everyone's successes and to, to cheer you on when these books are coming out. But everybody, I've missed the boat totally on this one. Um, I've seen the book online. I was attracted to the cover at pre-launch. I saw the champagne popping and I thought the launch was coming up. But it's interesting, even though the official launch date is 1st of April, 
Um, and I'm recording this at the end of March. It's already happened. And the fact that the ebook is already out and that I could have read this thing before we did the interview, it's the first time, Lisa, in 64 episodes that I actually haven't done my research as well as I should. So thank you for telling us all about it. Um, and thank you for sharing your enthusiasm with us because a lot of us are wannabe writers and we want to get our stories out there. And the fact that you've been so very success- successful. So what I want to do now is I want to talk a little bit about your success. Now, you haven't been writing for that long, have you? Well, <laughs> actually I have. It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of that overnight success uh you know it's taken me years and years and years to achieve overnight success but I haven't been writing um full-time I haven't been a full-time writer for very long uh I've been writing full-time for about four years uh I was a primary school teacher for many many years and um we lived in Melbourne but about Four and a half years ago, we decided to do the sea change thing and move with our boys down here to the coast. And I, I at that point in time, I was doing um, relief teaching. And when you move from uh, from one area to another, it's quite difficult. Like you don't have any. Con- I didn't have any contacts in this area. Um, where I've moved to so it's a little bit it was difficult to get teaching work and so my husband said to me because I had been writing away since my 14 year old was about two I did a a course at um, at TAFE I did the uh, professional writing and editing course I didn't do the whole course but I picked some subjects and did those subjects at night just really as an outlet just because I was a mum at home with little kids and I had a part-time job doing relief teaching I wanted to do something just to keep my my mind active so and I've always loved to write so I chose that and he and I'd been trying I'd been at that time I joined RWA I joined the Romance Writers of Australia and um went to their Melbourne conference in 2005 was my first conference um, and then from then on like I publication was a goal but I wasn't actively submitting like I it was a long-term goal but I didn't feel at that point that I was uh, ready for publication uh, so I started writing way back in in 2005 and I think my first submission to Harlequin Mills and Boom would have been in about I'm, not, I'm really not sure but probably about 2009 perhaps um or maybe even earlier than that but and that that was rejected that was the book that I was telling you about before which ended up being my first published book but it's not suitable for category I didn't really understand the genre conventions of category romance at that time because um I I hadn't read an awful lot of category romance. I like Australian romances and I'd read people like Fiona Lowe, um, Ali Blake and Nicola Marsh and my absolute favourite beautiful uh, category romance writer, Barbara Hannay, who I just adore. So I had read some but I hadn't, I was never, I was a wide um, eclectic reader, not a dyed-in-the-wool romance reader. So I think the genre conventions escaped me, which is why I was never published by Mills and Boone, um, yeah, but it, which hasn't mattered because I've gone on to something different and equally as good. 
But, um, yeah, I, so I wandered off track a bit, Melinda, I think. <laughs> so I haven't actually, I haven't butted in here at all, Lisa, because you're doing this all on your own and everyone knows that I've been a little bit sick, so it's just nice to sit back. But I've got to remember that I'm actually supposed to be in control of this and I'm sitting there listening to you and I'm going, I'm not sure what I'm going to ask next because this one's out of my control. Um, Everyone, look, it's delightful to have Lisa here and she's so knowledgeable. But I do want to take you back and I do want to, excuse me, I do want to wrestle control back of this thing. Um, (laughs) I love it. You're obviously a great, um, I guess, uh, promoter of Australian women's fiction and you've mentioned some great names there, some of who I've had on the podcast, some of who I'm lining up to get on the podcast. Um, But you mentioned that you didn't have any success with Mills and Boone but you've had successes elsewhere. Now, I know your current yep. publisher is Pan Macmillan. Uh, yes. Now, are all your books published with Pan Macmillan? Because I think I came up no. with um, Escape Publishing as well. Yeah, no, I, I start. Yes, yes. So my very first book, Breaking the Drought, came out with Escape Publishing and that was a quite a short book because, as I said, it was aimed originally at the category market. Uh, so it's about 60,000 words or 65,000 words by the time it came out. And uh, my publisher said to me uh, soon after it was published that I was very fortunate to be put in uh, an anthology with Mandy Magro and um, Louise Foster. So uh, that was, yes, that was one of those bind up books with three stories in it. So I went, that Escape is a digital first for people who don't know. So really digital only, um, apart from the anthologies. We, it's an ebook publisher, but a very successful ebook publisher. We've, we've, I was very, um, fortunate to be picked up by them first off because they're very professional they're the digital arm of harlequin australia so you're getting access to fabulous editors and all the things that you would get um from the print program but just you it's on a slightly smaller scale and on a quicker scale so you're producing your books slightly quickly more quickly because they don't have to go off to a printer to be printed out um so from there that was the first book then i i submitted another book to a but it was a longer book and that was Feels Like Home and that was 90,000 words roughly and my so that was accepted for publication by Escape but very quickly the Escape publisher came back to me and said actually Harlequin Mirror would like this for their print program so that came out um, in 2015 in print and that was actually an Australian bestseller which I was just absolutely fab- flabbergasted that that happened but um rural readers as you might know are very loyal and um and voracious readers so I have to thank people for buying that book and it it was such a fabulous experience to have really my first book in print first single title book in print um and to have it be so well received was just very humbling and I'm I'm very grateful for having had that experience um and and also just as part of that I I have to say that the uh particularly the romance writing community the writing community in general but the romance writing community really embraced me and helped me um to make the most of my success and I'm very grateful to writers who've gone before me for um showing me the ropes and that's I, I always hope to do that for writers coming on behind um it's 
you know, we like to pay that sort of thing forward. So, yeah, so that was the second book. And then the third book was the best experience ever. I uh, got together, I was approached by a very good friend of mine, another rural author called Catherine Evans. Uh, Kath and I had done, through RWA, we'd done uh, an uh, in-residence writing program called 5DI, five-day intensive, uh, and that was 24 writers. At, we were up at Griffith University in Queensland uh, for a, for five days. Uh, we lived in and we had eight, we had, were in groups of eight and each group had its own mentor and we, we developed, it was like a manuscript development program. And one of the best things to come out of that program was that you got to meet all these other fabulous writers. And so Kath and I struck up a friendship there and have continued that friendship. And she had written um, as part of that five-day intensive this beautiful book, uh, a, a Rural, um, which is still that I think think has been contracted but has not come out yet so I'm not really sure what what's happening with that but um but so she was another rural writer and she said I would like to do a series but in a group so I would like to write a book and get a couple of other rural writers to write a series set in the same town so we're, we're they're all standalone books but they're we developed this shared universe this shared country town that we created and we would um have three books that would um, fit into this little series. So there was Kath and myself and she said, oh, what about Jenny Jones? And Jenny at the time had just, she'd published um, The House on Burra Burra Lane but she hadn't, that, so that I think she hadn't brought out her second book yet. Well, she might have just brought that out. But anyway, so she had enormous success with her first book and I said to Kath, oh, God, Jenny Jenny Jones is not going to want to write a series with us. She's famous. <laughs> and this is what's so great about the romance community. Kath said, well, let's give it a go. Let's ask her. And Jenny is the most generous, most gorgeous person on earth. And she came back and said, I would love to write a series with you girls. And so, uh, and now the three of us have gone on to have this absolutely beautiful friendship that we developed as we wrote these three three books together. So that that series is called, uh, in, we've got it in one big and big anthology called Last Chance Country but my book in that is the middle book and it's called Honey Hill House. The fantastic thing about that was every success that that book has had that the the combined um, series has had it's shared with two other people and that just makes it so much more fun than even having your own like it's great to be successful on your own but when you have a success with two friends that is it's it's a really lovely thing um to have been a part of so that they're, they're sort of the rules and then i um but when i escape only um publishes romance unfortunately so all those books even though um honey hill house and feels like home came out with harlequin mirror Escape is my, uh, they're my publisher. So uh, Mirror would publish me as well, but Escape was the per- was the um, publishing house that I was submitting to. And unfortunately, Escape don't publish women's fiction. They they only publish romance. And so when I was looking for a home for my next book, which is The Shape of Us. I just submitted that quite widely and Pam McMillan were interested, they were the ones that were interested in it and so that's why I've gone across to Pam McMillan. But I've been very fortunate um, to have been, you know, had the experience with two fabulous publishing houses so far. So I, I've been very, very lucky. Um, uh, look, 
Lisa, you are one of the most generous guests I've ever had on this <laughs> podcast. I have been writing down questions thinking when you stop for breath, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> You don't stop for breath. So everyone, no, I'm trying to get in a word in edgewise here. I've had lots of questions written down, but we've moved on and we've moved on and we've moved on. So half <laughs> my questions are irrelevant. Uh, Lisa, I feel like I could just kick back here and listen to you forever. Uh, now, one question that I do have, and I'm going to skip all over the publishing thing for a moment and probably come back to it. You talk about collaboration. Now, I know in the indie publishing world that one of the best marketing strategies that you can have, everyone, is to link up with other authors. Now, somewhere in that conversation, Lisa actually mentioned to us that she's done some writing workshops, and I've listed some of the writing workshops that she's done in courses and residence and all the rest of it this girl is no overnight success she's put in a lot of damn hard work um and that was one of my other questions but I didn't get a chance to ask that one um (laughs) you you spoke with um you spoke about Catherine Evans and how you met at the residency here in Queensland and then you spoke about Jenny Jones and my experience with Jenny is she was very generous when she came on the podcast so the fact that she worked with you guys and all three of you had have had huge success with Last Chance Country is no surprise now who published that um trilogy or anthology whatever you'd like to call it yeah that was published by harlequin mirror too so jenny kath and i are all all started out as escape authors so oh i think kath's had another publisher as well but we at that time when we were writing that we were all escape authors and um so Escape published each of our stories individually. So my um, cat, uh, sorry, uh, Jenny's is first. So Jenny's is uh, called A Heart Stuck on Hope. Mine is called Honey Hill House, and Cat's is called The Healing Season. So they was they were published as three individual ebooks, and it, and they were never grouped as a box set or haven't been to this date. They, they're all um, available individually, but in print they were bound up and published by Harlequin Mirror um as last chance country yeah so yeah so that's Gosh, how that came about if you're a reader i hope you've got a pen and paper out here the names that um, are coming out of your mouth lisa are just just amazing um if you can get even half of them on the podcast i'll thank you very much um <laughs> collaboration how did you talk mirror into publishing them as a trilogy um obviously <laughs> i would have thought that the ideas actually come from the publisher did you three or did you just start talking and, and con them into it how did this come about yeah we conned them into it <laughs> yeah. look, um they were look they're, they're a fantastic publisher we had we all individually had great relationships uh, with Harlequin. So, and I have to say that the lovely Kate Cuthbert from Escape, she championed us a bit because we were all her authors. And so she probably, I think, uh, talked Harlequin Mirror into it maybe more than we did. The trouble, not that Harlequin wouldn't want to do it. I, I'm sure they uh, were, they were really happy with the idea that the only tricky bit is 
with those anthologies is that the retailers are not always so keen on them because they're really big books. And sometimes, and I've actually had readers say to me, oh, I really like the stories, but it's such a big book. And it's, which is okay if you own the book, but some of our readers like to borrow from the library. And if you borrow a library book and you've only got two weeks to read it, it is quite a big book and heavy for some of our older readers too, or people who have, you know, um, issues with arthritis or whatever in their hands. So uh, for whatever reason, um, the retailers are, can be a little bit uh, reluctant to take on the big anthologies, but we thought, um, we poor Jenny, we, we thought, well, we've got a bit of star power <laughs> happening there with Jenny because by the time it came out, Jenny was very, very successful. Um, and I had just had an Australian bestseller in Feels Like Home, so we figured we've got a decent readership between the two of us so we figured that you know the readers would come hopefully and Kath is a debut author but her she is such a beautiful beautiful author that we knew that uh, her story is so gorgeous that we knew if we could get people to read it that they would just fall in love with it and people did so yeah so we pitched it um and it had a limited print run so it's not something that you know it's getting harder and harder to find I think in bookshops now although you can you can still get it you can still get it on Booktopia um but yeah so we pitched to them but they and they were very generous in saying yes go ahead you know let's do it let's take a risk and it sold quite well so um I think we all ended up pretty happy in the end Yeah. Now, everyone, now's probably a fairly good time, and I'm just writing down questions here that are never going to get answered. Um, Lisa is a very good talker, and what I said to her before we started the podcast today was I've got some publishers approaching me and they're giving me books to give away. So I'm setting up a little thing on the podcast website here that as listeners you get a chance to to take away some of these books for free. Lisa, we talked before the podcast about organising a couple of your books to give to our uh, listeners today. Would you like to tell us more about that? Yeah, I'd like to give away a couple of copies of The Shape of Us. So um, hopefully people will be interested in reading that one and I will, uh, I'm sure the lovely people at Pam McMillan will be happy to supply us with a couple of um, of copies of The Shape of Us for your readers, Melinda, for your listeners, I should say. I'm so used to saying readers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, now everyone, I was going to kick this off next week as a as a new part of Writer on the Road to to be able to give away books um, to our listeners who who are proving to be very loyal and are growing by the day. Uh, when Lisa came on tonight, I thought actually this is a really good opportunity to start this thing. So. You heard it first here on this podcast, but next week I'll be making a public announcement. Um, I guess it'll be mean like someone, if you sign up to the newsletter or something like that, if I ever get around to writing newsletters, um, and we'll be giving away these books. It's it's all really good intentions, but, you know, the names and the Australian writers that we've got on the podcast who are so very, very generous like you, Lisa, uh, it's growing every day. And I think it's, um, from a personal point of view, it's great to give voice to you guys and to listen to your stories and and to hear that collaboration and that support amongst everyone. 
I'm really excited about the RWA or the Romance Writers Association conference coming up here in Brisbane. I've watched all of you go off partying in Adelaide and I've watched you go to the Readers' Convention in Melbourne. I know there's something coming up in WA with Rachel Johns and Rachel will be coming on the podcast to tell us all about that um, convention they've got happening over there. But coming up here... Uh, later in the year is our RWA Romance Writers Australia um, annual conference. Now, I'm assuming you're going to be there. I am indeed. I go to conference if I can. I go every year. This year I was really worried I wasn't going to be able to make it because my middle boy turns 18 and you cannot miss your son's 18th. But fortunately uh, they the committee there have been very generous and they have um, – they have actually timed it so that it finishes just the day before. So I'll get home in time for his birthday. So, yeah, I'm going to be there. Yeah, a little, little slice of Lisa's life. You're always here. I think you heard my dog barking in the background earlier. So, you know, you, you just get it warts and all here, everyone. Um, <laughs> one of the things that interested me, and I want to pick up on it, and it's one of the many thousands of things I wanted to pick up on if I wasn't so sick, um, box sets. And you talked mm. about um, how then yours is going or may not be as easily available nowadays. Um, have you thought about box set uh, digitally where it's available all the time? Have you done anything like that or have you just given away no. your rights and you can't do that? Yeah, no, I, I'm a very, very unusual writer, I think, in that I am completely happy to be third-party published. I look at all the indies with envy of how, you know, f- the fabulous amount of control they have over their work, but I am lazy by <laughs> nature. <laughs> Melinda, I and I'm not very technical, as I've mentioned several times. I think, um, and I'm also not. I, I'm just. I really love the idea. I all I want to do is write. I love writing. Uh, I love developing. Well, actually, in the, I'm at, in the middle of a new story at the moment. I'm not loving writing right today. I, the story's not working. But generally, I like creating the story. That's my love. And I'm not once I give it over. I'm really very happy to give over to a third party. So I'm very happy for the publishers in terms of marketing to do what they see is fit because I believe and I've had great experiences but um, I believe in for me they're the experts they know what they're doing they are in it to make money and of course I you know when you're a commercial when you're writing it's my job I want to make money too but um, my, I'm primarily concerned with writing the stories and how they are marketed I mean I of course do my own marketing but as you can tell, I'm, I'm a chatterbox. I don't find the whole social media thing onerous at all. I love interacting with readers. I love talking to people online. That's just an extension of my personality. So I don't really find that onerous or difficult at all. Um, but in terms of like having to format a book or employ a cover designer or make big decisions about that I'm just I'm not your girl I and it's not like I really I've got lots of friends who are indie authors and who are extremely um successful indie authors so um it's not about not thinking that's a valid choice I think it's an extremely valid choice and many third party published authors are now going hybrid and I I really take my hat off to them I'm just too lazy (laughs) 
I just, I'm, I'm sitting here listening. I'm, I'm finding myself, everyone, and I do apologise. I'm actually kicking back in the chair here and listening. I'm, my mind is not focusing on my job at all tonight. Lisa, you're a delight. You have made, you are, this is your podcast, kid. This is not mine at all. But my question, and I think I feel comfortable in asking you this because this is now your podcast, Um what happens to your books when they go to die? Like I'm watching you, you've got three books out. One of them is in that beautiful um, set with Jenny and um, Kathy or Catherine. Yeah. 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 Um, what happens when they go, when they disappear? I go into Big W and I take all these photos and I get all excited because, oh, I know all these people now. I'm part of this gang, this, you know, this romance writing gang. What happens, where do your books go to die when they disappear out of Big W? I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I, I guess they get returned. I mean, I know from our royalty statements, and this is probably something that people don't know, that writers get paid pretty much on orders. So bookshops order your books or retailers order your books. And then if they don't sell, if they're not discounted and then they don't, like if there are leftovers, they can actually send them back to your publisher and then the publisher can take the royalties back off you. It generally doesn't work that way because publishers are smart in the way that they um, organise their royalties. So they have um, what is called what's called reserves and so they hold back some of your your royalties from you until a certain time so that they, they can be fairly sure that that's not going to happen. But as for the physical books, I don't really know. I don't know what happens to them. But I have both um, Breaking the Drought and Honey Hill House or the Last Chance Country one, they, oh, sorry, the the one that the print version of Breaking the Drought was called A Country Escape. So, uh, and that was the one that had Mandy Magro and Louise Foster in it. Um, so they were on limited print runs. So I don't think there's many of those left over. And I don't really know with Feels Like Home whether there's many of those floating around either. They seem, people seem still able to get that, but um yeah, physically I don't know is the answer. <laughs> okay. Um, my question to you is probably probably a bit of a difficult one for you to answer. You've spent all this time writing these books. You've got Breaking the Drought, Feels Like Home, Honey Hill House or Honey Hill House, not Honey Hill House, that's my writing, and now The Shape of Us. Um, it would appear that your books are going to have a limited shelf life and what happen, how do you keep those books in front of your readers forever? Because once someone reads one of uh, Lisa Ireland's beautiful books, they're going to want to buy all of them. How do they go about buying them once um, that shelf life has ended? Well, all of my books, these days, fortunately, all of my books are available digitally and they never die that way. <laughs> That's the great thing uh, about the digital perfect. age. You can always yep. get a copy digitally. Uh, they never really go out of print that way unless the author chooses to take their rights back. And you have to be selling, you, generally, it depends on people's contracts and everyone has a different contract, but you have to be selling a very small amount or none before the publisher will give you your your rights back. So, um, but that, I, and I'm fine with that too. That's another thing. I mean, I am probably a little bit unusual in that it's not that I don't care about my books, but I move on very quickly. It's, I, I can, this is a terrible thing to admit. And it's not because I don't put care and love into my books. I really do. When I'm writing them, I'm obsessed with the book. But when I'm finished that book, um, 
I move on very quickly to the next set of characters and it's like those characters have stopped talking to me. They're out there. They belong to the readers now. They don't belong to me anymore. Um, and it's up to the readers to have a relationship with them then. I've written them and they're out in in um, in reader land and I, my relationship is now with the, the book that I'm writing right at this minute. So yeah. I'm, I'm probably not as attached as I know many authors are very, very, very attached to their characters and to their book babies. I'm probably a little bit more attached to The Shape of Us but maybe that's because it's just been released. Maybe in a month's time that'll that'll disappear. But I think I'm a little bit more attached to that because I feel like there's a little bit more. Well, it's not biographical at all, not autobiographical at all. There is still a little bit more of me in those characters than than perhaps in the other books. So perhaps that's why I'm been a little bit more reluctant to let this one go than the others. Gosh, I'm I'm just sitting here. I had three questions in my head and they've all gone again. Lisa, what are you doing to me? This I have Sorry. I am just what what's happened? Uh it look, it is really, really interesting and I hear what you're saying and look, I wanna ask the questions what's next what is next for Lisa Island, but I'm not quite game to because I need to get a word in edgewise here. So I'm gonna save that one for when we're going. Uh you have <laughs> um, or you had a champion in your mum. Now, you wrote a letter, I I read it somewhere on your website, I think, that you wrote a letter to your mum when you first got published. Um, She had passed away, I think it was for nine years, and you wrote a letter to her. And I I think it resonated with me, everyone, because everyone needs a champion in their lives. And my mum passed away before I started doing all this this stuff. And I thought in some respects it's great because she would tell me all the things that I'm doing wrong. Um, But you always (laughs) have to direct it at someone. Now, that someone for you was your mum too. Yeah, it really was. My mum... um was a really uh, smart woman but not a well-educated woman, uh, which is quite possibly very typical of women in her era. She was born in um, the 1940s and she had to leave school quite young. So she was very um, anxious for my brother and I to be, particularly me being a girl, um, she was very anxious that I get a good education, uh, that I stay in school as long as possible I was actually the first member of my whole extended family to go to university which so my my mum was just thrilled about that but both she and my dad were voracious readers um, and so I can always remember them reading when I was a child and I was always read to and very I read really early I was and I think that's just because I was exposed to books so often um and high-quality books, mum would always, well, a variety of books. So, I, yeah, started reading really young. And the other thing is, as you can tell, I'm a chatterbox. And when I was a kid, I was a chatterbox too. And when adults would comment on that, my mum, instead of, like, telling me off, she would always say, like, when people would comment on it, they'd say, oh, she's she a chatterbox. And my mum would always say, yes, isn't it lovely that I've got someone that can tell me these fantastic stories? She never made me feel... Um, in any way deficient big or naughty because I was um, telling these wild and imaginative stories and she encouraged me to write them down. So I really owe a lot of my success to her. And she, um, when I had the kids and I was at home and I was trying to, you know, I was trying to do the PWE course and at the time actually my father was very, very ill 
and I was helping to nurse him and mum really encouraged me to keep going to the course because I, I, at one point I thought oh, it's just too hard, I've not enough time and it's difficult you know, having to get babysitters like my husband. We were, you know, all of us were stretched thin because of my dad's illness but mum really made sure that I, that, um, that I kept that up and I wouldn't give it up. And the biggest thing that she did for me was during that course I was offered an opportunity to go to the uh, Romance Writers um, Conference that was in Melbourne that year at the Langham and I had to do for PWE, I had to do for the professional writing and editing course, I had to do a conference or a convention or a writers festival and because that was in Melbourne I thought I might go to that but it was at that time for me unaffordable I couldn't afford to go and my mother paid for me to go Um, but unfortunately she passed away before the conference so she'd paid for it in May and then in June she passed away so I felt a real um, not obligation because uh, for any negative reasons but I really felt motivated to get as much as I possibly could out of that um, conference and to uh, do her proud so yeah so she's she was my champion it's just I, I one my only real regret about writing is that neither of my parents lived to see me published but I'm sure you know they in some small way they're they're still kicking around somewhere and they they might know somehow <laughs> Okay, and what I'm going to ask you next, um, and it is my final question for the night, and before I go, I just want to, everyone, this woman is amazing, she's delightful, her passion, her enthusiasm is just shining through, and remember, Lisa said very early in the conversation was um, play it forward, and I'm convinced, um, Lisa, that you'll be very generous with any new writer that happens to cross your path. Um, I think I can guarantee after knowing you for a whole hour that you are going to be very, very (laughs) generous with your support and I just adore you already. I look forward to meeting you at the Romance Writers Association Conference. Um, What's next for Lisa Island? Well, I've got a two-book contract with Pam McMillan, so um, I'm in the middle or I'm almost two-thirds of the way through my uh, next book and don't ask me what it's called because it's had about three different titles so um and I'm terrible at titles I I just I can never come up with them and I had actually the shape of us was uh named by the beautiful Chris Weston Chris Weston was the winner of the Valerie Parve award last year and she's another delightful friend of mine who I also met at the five-day intensive at Griffith Griffith University uh so I was chatting to Chris at the uh Adelaide conference and I said to her she said oh yeah congratulations on the book because I had sold it at that time she said what's it called and I said oh I still don't know I don't know and she said give me your elevator pitch so I did I told her what it was about and she said leave it with me and an hour later she sent me a text and said what about the shape of us and I had tried about 40 titles at that stage and when I heard the shape of us I went yes that's it and I I sent my publisher a text and said who was actually there at the conference too I sent her a text and said what about this and she said yeah, I think that's the one. So, um, so this one has no no um, no title, but it's another book about friendship. And uh, this book is about two women who were childhood friends and then have lived um, in different cities for many years, and um, end up they find themselves back in 
the same city. And so really it's about is a shared history, a, a childhood history, enough to sustain a friendship over a lifetime? And so, and so we'll find out. I'll find out too because I'm I'm not a plotter, so I don't really know yet. I don't know how it ends. <laughs> oh, I never look, know. You've, you've got to love it. Plotters, pantsers, <laughs> um, writing residencies, writing courses, writing by the city of pants, seeing what happens. Um, I'm guessing you're as enthusiastic on the page as you are um, in person. So I'm assuming you're. Um, novels move along at quite a clip um, and the things happen very, fairly quickly. Um, all right, I'm going to stop now. Is that right? Is that what happens? Your, your stuff just blurts out on the page? I hope so. I don't really know. I, it's really hard to um, assess your own work. I, I always say I, I talk a lot to I've got lots of um, lots of lovely writing friends and I talk a lot to um, a beautiful, I'm going to give this lady a plug because she's a beautiful debut author. Her book's coming out on the 5th of April and that's Amanda Knight and she's got a book called Situation Critical coming out with Escape Publishing on April the 5th. Anyway, I talked to Amanda uh, and um, Emily Madden, Beck Nicholas and Rachel Johns quite frequently and one of the things that I'm constantly saying to this group of women is, nothing's happening in this book and they all laugh at me and say you always say that (laughs) but it feels like it to me it feels like when I'm writing I feel like I'm just it's just boring and why would anyone want to read it but then when you're finished and you go back like you let it sit for a couple of weeks and you go back and think oh actually you know it might not be too bad the the publisher might take it they might not throw this one in the bin so (laughs) I'm very terrible at assessing my own work so I hope it's at a cracking pace but I don't really know (laughs) Okay. Now, everyone, you've just had a slice of life of Lisa Ireland. Now, I could keep asking questions and she can keep answering, but we'll be here for another two hours. She has so many stories to tell and so much to share with us. I'm sure, Lisa, I can get you back on the podcast again. Lisa started out as a primary school teacher. I just, look, her kids would adore her. They'd be all over her. I've got um, year sevens at the moment. I walk out of that classroom exhausted. So I'm guessing you need someone with Lisa's um, enthusiasm and passion and zest for living to actually survive primary school teaching. And that passion is obviously tipped over into your books. Um, You're not an overnight success because even listening to you for an hour, I know um, the hard work (laughs) that you've put into it. You have some amazing friends. You have some amazing mentors and I'm guessing that you are mentoring people coming along behind you. I'm going to finish everyone today with a quote and it's life's truest happiness is found in friendships we make along the way and that's off um, Lisa's own Facebook page. Um, Lisa, would that be true? Would the biggest gift that you've got since your change from primary school teacher? You're not supposed to let me finish the question first, child. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Lisa, let me get a word in advice here. Okay. Is your biggest gift since leaving primary school teaching and moving into the writing world is the friendships you've made along the way? Yes. I can talk now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have to let you in on a secret. My headphones just started in the last three or four questions. My headphones started going in and out, and so I'd hear I, I'm hearing like nothing. And then I think, oh, she's stopped, and and then you keep going. So sorry, it's a I'm, I'm blaming a, a poor tradesman always blames their tools, and that's what I'm doing. But yes, absolutely, the best 
best thing about writing for me uh, is the friends that I've made. And if you're coming along to Brisbane, you will see that in action um, at the Romance Writers Conference, Melinda, because we are all really close buddies and um, I've made the best friends of my life since I started writing. And the funniest thing is that I I do have some Melbourne-based writing friends um, and and actually a really um, very close friend, Delwyn Jenkins, who lives in in Geelong, who's a... um, was a momentum author and she's just about to, she's just about to take off with another publishing house called Evernight which is in the United States but um yeah the best friends I've got apart you know I've got a few local ones but we're spread all out over Australia and because of wonderful technology we can still talk to each other every day so yes it's definitely been the biggest gift and the Romance Writers Conference is on it later in the year, everybody. I'll certainly be there and I'll certainly be, I guess, um, podcasting from there and speaking to some of these beautiful, beautiful people. Uh, Lisa, you have been so generous and you've been such good fun and I've been sitting back. I haven't done my job properly, but I don't think anyone cares. Everyone, uh, Lisa will have a, um, two books um, or a couple of books to give away, The Shape of Us. It's already been launched um, but just before we finish off, the official launch is coming up. The release date is 1st of April. Lisa's having an official launch on the 20th of April. If you want to quickly tell us about that. Uh, that's at the Julia Gillard Library in Tarnish, uh, in, in uh, near Werribee in Melbourne. Um, yeah, on the 20th of April from 6.30. So, and it, everyone is welcome. If you're a local person, if you're a roundabout or if you're visiting in Melbourne on that day, we'd love to see you. So um, you just need to ring the library and uh, let them know you're coming or look really, just rock up. No one's going to tell you to go away. <laughs> so everyone's oh. welcome. Oh, crack me up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run out of breath here. Everyone, look, The Shape of Us coming out in paperback. I'm sure if we go into Big W shortly, we'll be able to get it. Dimmix, Booktopia, all those kinds of places. Um, eventually it will go off to where all paperbacks go to die, but the good news is the digital rights live on forever. Um, if there's one thing I've taken out of this tonight is that um, – <laughs> You, you will not go out because um, the digital rights will be there. I look forward to your next book. I look forward to hearing what you actually name that at the end of the day. Um, Me too. I can't wait to read The Shape of Us. Uh, go back and read that um, trilogy with um, Jenny Jones and Catherine Evans. You have so much to offer, child. You're so very, very generous. Good luck with your launch. I hope it goes well. And that's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Lisa. Lisa.